You are listening to The Robert Scott Bell Show. Is there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. A doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Or is he? That or is not. the question. <laughs> or not. This hour. Maybe it's because we did a story on Bodie McBoatface, and he was like, that's just not dignified. No, that's not Dr. Batar. He doesn't mind. He likes to get, get, get silly with us, too. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll await his arrival in the interim. This hour of the Robert Scadbell Show. Uh, of course, we'll talk about heavy metals, the relationship to a lot of uh, not-so-nice things. Maybe we'll do some follow-up. If you, want to, if you want to comment on Dr. Scott Gottlieb and the potential for him heading up the, the FDA, the Fear and Death Administration, as its newest vaccine stooge, based on the audio we played last hour from an interview two years ago. Again, we give people the space to change, and we don't know. It hasn't been, you know, recently that I've talked to or ever talked to Dr. Scott Gottlieb, but for him to be announced as the leading candidate, proponent, you know, to be put up as the head of the FDA by Trump, says to me, Trump, you've fallen down on your, let's say, I don't know if it's the promise, perhaps, to really tackle the issue of vaccine safety and the corruption at the CDC. Because this guy, this guy is definitely not on the same page as you, Dr. Batar. Give uh, give Dr. Batar another, uh, another reach out because he's always talking to somebody on the line. He's probably just rambling on and forgetting that it's time for a show. We'll have to berate him once he gets on the air. We'll call him uh, Dr. Batari Bictarface, and he won't know why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what? The thing is, you're right. It's daylight savings here, and it might not be wherever he is today. Uh, so it's possible that could have been the reason. Yeah. Do they? So ben, do they have? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. No don't one knows know where he is because he travels all yeah. over the world. So yeah. Uh, yeah, Ben, get him on the line. I'm sure he'll be ready. And we we'll got it. Okay, Doctor McTarry McTarry McTarface is with us now on the Robert Scott Bell Show. <laughs> hey, you know, but. You can call me any name that you want, and I'm you're totally justified in in calling me any name because daylight savings again. Uh, <laughs> it was it was daylight savings. Okay, right. I I knew we should have told you in advance, but I forgot too. I, I asked people when I opened the show today, "Is everybody awake?" And apparently, I forgot to ask if Doctor Batar was ready. No, I was so, definitely uh, I was definitely awake. I just was at the wrong time <laughs> that I was awake. Yes, no worries, my friend. No worries. You we were just. Uh, confronting the uh, uh, the awkward uh, moment when um, Trump, who we've supported in a lot of ways for a lot of reasons, has uh, now put up a guy, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, to head the FDA if he gets uh, uh, confirmed, who has uh, basically bought hook, line, and sinker the lines by the CDC that uh, the link between vaccine and, and autism have been debunked, and maybe we should strengthen mandates, and you know we got to stay above the magic number for herd immunity. I mean, this guy... Uh, he's he's either a, a, a out and out dummy or just a paid for hire kind of doctor, and I'm not sure which at this point. Well, you know, it's interesting because when I was reading about who he put in place, um, he doesn't have um, a lot of clinical experience in medicine. It seems like he's 
it was maybe five years or six years of medicine. I, I don't know what he's. I know he's been in the government for about two thousand since two thousand and four, I believe, and he graduated from. This, yeah, so he was in his thirties, so he, he really was still wet behind the ears in terms of clinical knowledge. Exactly, but what's interesting is that we know that with uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s appointment to this commission to investigate the vaccines, it you know these are contradictory actions. Um, but perhaps they're just contradictory to us because we don't know what's going on. Maybe he put a young guy that's what behind the ears so they can change the mindset. I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't realize it. But regardless, sure. I, I know that Trump himself, uh, personally, uh, I know, and, and you know because of yes. uh, Ann and Alden's connection, he is, he is very aware of... No, he, there's no question of that. That's the thing that, you know, we want to give him the benefit of the doubt at the same time. You know, we got a lot of questions because the interview he this guy Gottlieb did two years ago showed he was an absolute paid for hire vaccine stooge or he's just completely ignorant of, of the real science here. And we don't know which at this point, but I'm not you know, it's like we don't put all of our hopes and prayers in a federal bureaucracy, even with Trump as president, as I've said. And the concept of nullification, the Tenth Amendment is going to be more and more important, not less so no matter who gets in there, because we don't believe in political saviors. Yes, there are people that get in there. will try to make changes. That's great. But at the same time, we're going to point out some issues, some concerns we have, and that's the point of bringing this thing up right now. Well, and I totally agree with you because there is concern. Um, when I when I read his little uh, the article that he did about his background and, and his little spiel that he had given, um, you know, it seemed interesting. And then at the bottom, it said seven things to know about this guy. And what was interesting is the third or fourth one on the list was he loves vaccines, and I was like, what? Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on from that to a, a very interesting article here, and I think Super Don sent it to you as well. And it relates to the, the issue of antibiotic resistance, which we know is a problem, the overuse and abuse of antibiotics. But apparently, it goes much deeper than that, and it broadens it, and it brings to uh, mind things that you know. We talk about persistent organic pollutants and heavy metals. There's actually an article here on the pharmaceuticaljournal dot com site about how chemicals and heavy metals also contribute to antimicrobial resistance. I was a bit surprised to see this article. Yeah, this is, again, this could be a moment of doubt because we've been talking about the immunosuppressive actions and uh, of, you know, this is, in fact, the, the seven toxicities. The first and second toxicities, heavy metals and persistent organic pollutants, that's one reason the opportunistics. Uh, the third one, the bacteria, viruses, parasites, mycoplasma, yeast, et cetera, et cetera, the, the reason that's third on the list is because the first one and the second one, the metals and the persistent organic pollutants, create an immunosuppression that allows these opportunistics to set up house. So this actually uh, may not be a moment of doubt from mainstream medicine, but from our perspective, it certainly is. Yeah, and, and again, this broadens the, the understanding that the microbe is really not the cause of disease, but the result of disease. Exactly. Of course, the antibiotic, even if it's well-intended, is a form of chemical toxicity in the body. That is how it works. So that it could, it, unless you understand how to rebuild the system after a round of those things, you could set yourself up for more opportunistic infections that you're going to say, oh, man, I need another round of those things. In the meantime, the other things that they don't consider in much of modern allopathic medicine, these confounding persistent organic pollutants, heavy metals, etc. now they're acknowledging, oh, wait a second, that might have something to do with it too. So, you know, if you think about it, uh, I opened my practice in 1996 based on this philosophy. Um, the Ninth Steps to Keep the Doctor Away came out in 2010. It's not, what, 2017 now, and they're finally coming to this. So they're 21 years behind 
um, what we were talking about in 1996. And the good news is that at least they're catching up. Now, how many people are actually going to going to adhere to this or look at it? And what one of the saddest, at least for myself personally, one of the saddest commentaries in medicine is that everybody talks about literature and and, and studies and crossover trials and, you know, all these other things, and yet the evidence-based medicine model, et cetera, et cetera, and yet very few doctors in clinical practice ever read these things. But this is an example of something that I believe all doctors should read because it's a fundamental, it's like the alphabet. It's, it, you can't talk about literature or grammar or punctuation if you don't know the alphabet. This is basic alphabets of, of how to take care of people right here. Yeah, and, and, you know, another thing I want to go back to, because, you know, some of this, as you said, comes to the peer-reviewed literature. They point it out, then they ignore it, and then the, one day they're shocked to find it, right? And this is the whole thing about me te- spending the last 10-plus years reading the medical literature specific to silver, seeing it clinically, and I say, I want to understand this. What do we know about it, right? And then you talk to a doctor who's completely clueless about it, and, and, and well, they haven't studied it. Okay, if they have an open mind, they'll say, oh, that's interesting. Let me see. Let me try. But in, in the case of a Dr. Scott Gottlieb, He's like, is he this shut down to other realities because he's had little or no clinical experience, or is it because his bread and butter, his money depends upon him not knowing these things or not looking at them? Now I'm seeing, uh, I just got an email that says, this was from Science Times, I haven't read it, but it says that Trump proposing $54 billion for research regarding the vaccine autism link. Yeah, so as you see, there's there's a... There's some inconsistency in there, so that's why I think that there's something else going on that we just don't know yet. Exactly, because Gottlieb says we don't need any more studies, and then Trump says, "Hey, in my in my budget, I want 54 billion to study it." So yes, that's why I say the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give it, but uh, you know, is Gottlieb the guy because he understands big pharma and wants to deregulate? And if and if that's the case, I get that. I'm not totally opposed to that at all, as long as they also have the same courtesy to the dietary supplement industry and all the people and doctors who utilize them for healing, that they would have the same freedoms rooted and based in science to make the same claims based on the science rather than being shut down totally because they're not patented pharmaceuticals. Yeah, but, Robert, if you think about it, if he's going to deregulate the Food and Drug Administration, that by definition should occur anyway. I agree. I agree that it should. But, again, a guy like Scott Gottlieb doesn't have that kind of history of saying, yes, let's have a level playing field for everything. He's the kind of guy that tends to say drugs and vaccines are nothing. Well, I, I think that history may support that, but I also think that, you know, that, that was a speech he gave a couple of years back, and Trump's appointed him. I'm sure that Trump has his reasons for doing so. I, I believe that there's probably something more to this than we're just not aware of yet, and time will tell. Yeah. But Well, you know, and Super Don says that, says that, 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 that if, I had, if, if we were the, in a battle and we had one side that believes and one side doesn't, Trump is a stronger yeah. side than the, than the who he's appointed as FDA commissioner, so... True. And by the way, some people will say, Superdon says, you know, I'm not certain that that's a real link to say that he's actually authorized 50 or wants to authorize 54 billion. Again, there's a lot of news that floats out there that we haven't validated or confirmed. That's why I say that. And I say, yes, there's inconsistency. But then again, some of the, in the, what we would call the regular mainstream news media is purveying this idea of a fake news story to say that, uh, RFK Jr. was never really asked to lead a vaccine safety commission, which we know he was. So it's very hard to parse it, and that's why we want to take the time to see what is real and what isn't in regards to these pronouncements, because there's a lot riding on it, a lot of families, vulnerable families, emotionally uh, raw about this issue, and I don't want them jumping on anything and everything without thinking it all the way through and vetting it. 
Yeah, no, I to- I agree with that. I agree with that. And it's you know we don't really know uh, all the details, but I think that it behooves us to um, be patient and see which way this goes. But I, I I think it's promising. And again, Trump would not have done this. I think especially knowing what he knows and how long he's known it, unless there was unless he had a strategy. Yeah, so let's figure it out. We'll find out. We'll cover it, though. And we are doing Advanced Medicine with Dr. Rashid Bittar. Remember, his international best-selling book you mentioned earlier, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. Links are up in the show notes, robertscottbell.com. You can also go to directly to drbuttar.com. It's there. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. in the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. We're at Advanced Medicine each and every week with Dr. Rasha Bittar, and uh, we're just working behind the scenes. Uh, I don't want to you know, slot him in for sure, but I'm sure hoping so, Dr. Bittar, that you can be with me in San Diego at the Best Answer for Cancer. That would be just beyond awesome. I'm really looking forward to it, too. I, I gave a lecture there, I guess, about five years ago. And uh, the year, I think it was a year, two, two years before Ty spoke there, um, and I was the main, main speaker there. It was interesting because uh, they're very big on low-dose insulin-potentiated chemotherapy. And mm-hmm. they, um, when, when I gave the keynote there, when I spoke there, I was actually surprised because I stopped doing low-dose insulin-potentiated chemotherapy in... I think my last time I did that was in 1999 or 2000, so I haven't done that in, you know, 16, 17, 18 years. And uh, it seemed that many of their core doctors actually had stopped doing it or were recognizing now that the cancer stem cells are still uh, present after low-dose insulin-potentiated chemotherapy. And what really happens is it makes them resistant because if it doesn't kill you, only serves to make you stronger. That philosophy, it actually, the low-dose insulin-potentiated chemotherapy actually made the stem cells more resistant to the chemo. And so it was actually not an advantageous situation because it was making it, it was mutating those stem cells, cancer stem cells, and making them more resilient to any other therapies. And so it was very refreshing to see this organization that promotes this particular thing, asking somebody that's not part of their organization to come in and give a lecture on, on other aspects, so um, I'm actually looking forward to it. And of course, their their uh, executive director is a is a great, great person with great energy, um, Annie Brandt. So it'll be yeah, she's year. terrific. She's a love. She really is, and, and I'm so excited to be there again. That's uh, following. Uh, I'll be up there with our buddy. Uh, uh, what's his name? Ty Bollinger. You heard of him <laughs> in Toronto the previous week. Uh, I think I saw a fun. picture of him in a post office or something. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Most wanted. You know it. Uh, but yeah. uh, what can we do? We still love him. So, uh, uh, Dr. Bittar, this issue of uh, resistance, antimicrobial resistance. Now, like I said, we take the time to study it, then we, we observe it clinically, we put it into practice, see what happens. You know, it's, it's not that we just solely rely on peer-reviewed literature, because we know a lot of that is corrupt, a lot of it's based on, you know, wrong data. So we have to see some evidence of, r- in real world, is it workable, right? When I talk about my, uh, my work uh, in, you know, using silver hydrosol, for instance, it's based certainly on a lot of sound science that says we know the properties of silver, but then we also want to see how, how best to use it clinically. 
And it, it shows also that there's no real resistance that is developed from the microbial world, like with antibiotic drugs, for instance. But there's a reason for that. Silver's been on the planet as long as there have been microbes, and if they were going to develop resistance, it would have happened already. Although if people use bound forms of silver with very little active silver, we could say, hey, you're not going to have much efficiency in its use, and it might look like it's resisting. But there's a difference, and we have to make those distinctions. You're absolutely right. Those are the distinctions that we have to, as clinicians, be able to, one, um, appreciate, and then, two, address. Because if we don't, the entire causation aspect is going to be ignored. And, and by definition, you're not going to get any results or not any sustainable results. It's kind of like the, um, it makes me think of the, the bioterrain example that you use all the time. You know, you can do anything in agriculture, but it's not sustainable. It's not going to last very long, and that's the key, the sustainability of it. And I think if we're talking about from a philosophical standpoint, there has to be sustainability in, in our mannerisms and methodologies of how we're using um, certain therapeutics. And the, the use of using antibiotics and not understanding the importance of the chemicals and the persistent organic pollutants and how they cause that immunosuppression is not a sustainable way of practicing medicine. Until you acknowledge that and address it, and recognize it and then do things appropriately until that point, it will not be sustainable. Yeah, and I'm talking a lot about this, what I call a post-antibiotic world, and many of the physicians that are really in the know recognize that we're on the verge of that in many ways. There's such resistance, but for the average person, they think, well, I've got an infection, let me just go get another prescription. But that kind of you know perspective of first-resort antibiotics as opposed to last-resort has hastened their demise so that if you need them in a pinch, you might not even have access to them. Yeah, that's that's a very very good point. That's that, that drug resistance aspect becomes a major issue, and then God forbid, as you said, in a, in a real situation where something you need something that's a very big guns, like necrotizing fasciitis, for example, which is an infection that once you get it's, it's relatively rare, but once you get it, you've got maybe 24 hours, um, and even antibiotics usually will not save for somebody. Usually, it's a surgical emergency you need an amputation but god forbid you get into that situation you need a big gun and you don't have it because you're resistant to it you're absolutely right right and there also lies the the desire for me to you know reintroduce silver in all of its ways for doctors to use it and infuse it when in crisis in, especially if we don't have those powerful antibiotics when they would be appropriate all right folks we got a lot more broadcast healing advanced medicine here every week on the robert scott bell show check out the links robertscottbell.com we got more on mercury after this the robert scott bell show in all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The information is so good, it requires no expiration date. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Just so you know, Dr. Batar, I, I reached out, I know, I know it's bad, but I reached out to Ty Bollinger when I wasn't sure you were going to be here for uh, Daylight Saving, and, and, and the, you know, I called you something, it was very, in, in good fun, right, based on another story, and he what he said to call you, I can't even say on the air. I don't know, what is it with Ty and you? Did, did, he, just, did he just send that in or something? Yeah, he just messaged me. <laughs> He's like, I would have so called you know- him, uh-uh-uh. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that he listens to the radio show. I've never listened to it. Does he even do a radio show? Or I mean, I don't even know whether... Yeah. Oh, come on. Yes, we go outside the box once a week. Come on. I know really? you don't listen, yeah, well, I mean, but he listens. I don't know. 
I'm too busy to listen to you know listen to the show any other time. Okay. So I didn't even know what the tie. I'm glad the tie keeps on tuning in to listen to us. <laughs> you're you're digging yourself deeper, Doctor Batar, my friend. But that's all right. Next time we're all together, we'll we, yeah we'll have some fun. We'll have some fun. I gotta I gotta get them riled up somewhere. Of course you do. Of course you do. Yeah, in the meantime, Super Don's having a sparring battles with listeners who insist that pineapple on pizza is really yummy, and, uh, and, and Super Don says, oh, no, that's just there's something wrong with that. <laughs> in fact, Go I ahead, Batar. Like Go ahead. No, no, I got to hear now. We, we haven't, we hey, haven't asked like... Dr. Batar about this, so I got to yeah, hear. That's true. We haven't. Not, weigh in on it. Well, are you talking about pizza on top, uh, pineapple on top of pizza? Yes. Yes. So you, so who says it's bad? Who says it's good? Super Don just says it's the grossest. No, it's just not right. It's just not right. That's what Super Don says. But Super Don, do you like pineapple? I love pineapple. Yeah. So to me, it's you know somebody, some people prefer it in pizza. I personally don't like you know having dough with my pineapple per se. But I mean, I love pizza and I love pineapple. I don't know whether I'd necessarily put them together, but hey, you know, somebody did fall with chocolate in the hand in a. That you are you are being way no. You're being way too diplomatic here. Yeah, you, you have to pick one <laughs> side or the other. <laughs> I'm just hey, I'm trying to I'm trying to be more politically correct. That's oh, not geez. typical. Uh, no, Dr. Bittar, Dr. Batar said he doesn't like no! with his pizza. No, okay, with his pineapple. Okay. All right, well, there you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Now we got that on record. Let's move on to uh, a, a moment of dough. No, duh. How about this? Um, an article here about mercury dental amalgams being linked to chronic illness, fatigue, depression, and anxiety. Is there anybody on earth that doesn't know this yet? Maybe just American Dental Association Dunderhead members still? No, you know what? I believe they do, do know, but they have, they have such a severe case of a lack of integrity that they can't admit it. You know, Boyd Haley said something that was very interesting once. He was asked at an interview that we had at, uh, at, the, at the Hill. There was a press conference. And after the press conference, they had a couple of us that they talked to individually. And one of the questions that Boyd was asked was, why would government officials do this if there's so much evidence and there's such an abundance of evidence? And why would they allow this to happen? And Boyd said... He goes, I believe they do know this. It's just that they're so far down the rabbit hole, they can't admit to it now. So the easiest thing to do is to continue the charade and perpetuate the myth that, no, there's no association. Because were they to acknowledge that they fell asleep at the, at the wheel, yes. you know, again, we've talked about this before, that would be enough to create, in my opinion, the next civil war. Yeah, so did you see how many people... Have been poisoned. Yeah, how many millions of children have been maimed because of this perpetuation of something that they knew? Instead of coming clean and saying, hey, you made a mistake, you're right. No, let's just continue it down this, this uh, path and uh, pretend like we, we don't know what's going on. You know, even yeah. if people say that they didn't know, they're complicit because they know now. Sure. And this goes hand in hand with, of course, the vaccine mercury issue and heavy metals that uh, they cannot claim responsibility for it because it would be disastrous. There will be pitchforks out. And, you know, the moms and dads of, of kids who have already been injured or even killed would have every right in my in my book to say, yeah, go take them out behind the woodshed. And it's like not me advocating violence, but they've already visited tremendous violence on these children. Robert, it would. I don't think that any act short of an act from the creator would prevent parents from becoming violent because 
I know what I would do, and I know there are a lot of parents, I know what you would do, I know there's a lot of parents out there that if they find out that the government has actually knowingly allowed this atrocity to be committed, and it's no different than the Tuskegee, you know, the syphilis studies that were done in the um, 1920s, 1930s, whatever it was, this wouldn't be the first time. I was amazed to find out that the body that allowed the Tuskegee experiments to go on um, was actually the predecessor of our current day Centers for Disease Control. That's right. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a history of corruption and criminality and even overt racism. But as we find later, it, it isn't about race. It's about us versus them. It's about the elites and everyone else and their willingness to sacrifice these children and experiment upon them. It's not new. Yeah. It's been going on for a long time. Yeah, human experimentation, exactly. And, and they hide behind the charades of, uh, of uh, the, the techniques that they use to supposedly prevent Abuse, you know, the, even to get a rat study down now, you need to have the, um, God, I, I'm, I've, I've obliterated from my mind, so uh, what's it called, the things that you do when you, um, what's, it, what's, the, what's the process to make Are you sure talking about a, a, like a, rev, a review board? Yeah, but what is it? it's, um, there's a certain term for it. Um, yeah, I'm losing it now, it'll come review. back to me. But, yeah, but the, anyway... It's the process to, to supposedly prevent uh, scientists and experimenters from taking advantage of the subject. So even, even like with rat studies now, you have to go through this review to make sure that the animals are being treated fairly. But it's all under pretense of this safety, and yet they're doing human experimentation constantly with vaccinations and with many of these drugs. And, and it goes, keeps on going way, way back into... Um, you know, over almost 100 years ago now. And when was the Tuskegee? Wasn't that in the 1920s? No, I think that was more more recent than that uh, because it was the Tuskegee Airmen and uh, the things that they did to infect them in the middle of the 20th century. But again, that was, you know, a partly a racist construct. I don't think anybody could deny that. But again, what we've seen, and we had last week uh, on with Ty Bollinger and I, um, Reverend or Brother Tony Mohammed from the Nation of Islam, talking about the fact that this is no longer a targeting of black children, even though they're engaged in a targeting of black children, but it's every child that is vulnerable to this mass experimentation through vaccination. Well, and that's true that there's no denying that some of these things with the Centers for Disease Control, when they did the, the stuff that William Thompson did the whistleblowing on and then mm-hmm. um, tried, they backtracked on it with the instance of uh, African-American children having four times greater association with autism with the normal round of vaccinations as opposed to the, the non-black children. And knowing that, and again, it was, if you really look at it, it comes down to socioeconomic standards because those children that were in the lower socioeconomic status, uh, status they, were, they were more prone because they came in, the government came in, the bodies that do the regulations of the uh, vaccines came in and said, oh, they need this, 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 and they basically piled them on, whereas higher socioeconomic standards, they, those people are less prone to government intervention. And sure, or totally rolling over, and that's what we're saying with some of the wealthy, more educated, are saying, you know what, we need to uh, hold off on the pace of vaccines, or to all of them altogether. And, and there's another story here about uh, doctors are figuring a way around the, the so-called vaccine hesitancy that they're calling it now. A Rutgers study has found that doctors who schedule flu shots for their patients see a dramatic increase in vaccine rates. So they're not waiting around. They're not asking, do you want a flu shot? They're just scheduling it for them. And then some of them are mindless enough, the patients, to go, oh, I've just been scheduled for this. Okay, I'm going to show up. 
And so, yep. you know, we already know that the, the Cochrane Collaboration, one of the most respected of, the, of medical scientific groups on the planet, has already assessed and reviewed and said, you know what, the flu shots plain don't work. On top of it, they all contain mercury unless you specifically say, I don't want the mercury-containing one, but even those contain a lesser quantity of mercury. Yep, yep, that's true. And you call uh, Walgreens Pharmacy to find out if they've got a certain brand of toothpaste or, you know, if you've got your, your favorite type of candy bar there. And when they answer the phone, the first thing they say, thank you for calling CVS. Have you been scheduled for your flu shot? I mean, it's wow. absurd now. And I'm not just speaking on CVS. Any, any pharmacy, sure. it's the same thing. So. Now, did you see this? You, you've been to Australia recently. and You've traveled there before. I know we've got a lot of listeners down under. Uh, there's a, a BBC article here that links, uh, let's see, Australia considers child care ban on unvaccinated children. They've already threatened if they haven't already engaged in so-called Forms of welfare, they don't call it welfare, but whatever a government payment is to everybody. And they say they were denying that for families who are refusing vaccines for their children. Now they're saying we're not even going to allow for child care for these kids. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And they've, they've tried to do that in certain states here where they've, I don't think they've passed it as a law, but certain child care facilities will not allow a child to be enrolled in their uh, system if they don't have the full vaccination schedule. It can't prove that they've been fully vaccinated. And, um, that's been a concern even in my own staff members when they have children that have gone to daycare, that that's come up. So I think that it's already a mindset that's becoming popular or has become popular. Whether anybody in the United States has passed laws against that, I don't know. But if they're passing it now in uh, in Australia, it's only a matter of time. By the way, not to change the subject, but I just looked at sure. it. Uh, the Tuskegee syphilis study that was conducted by our own public health service, which I believe was the predecessor of the Centers for Disease Control, uh, was in 1932. 32. Okay, so it was further back than I remembered, too. So, uh, again, just as relevant today as they're willing to experiment on all children, all racial backgrounds, colors. And it is a bit of, I don't know if there's a term called economicism, but basically the strata defined by your social status or economic status and the poorest among us. But you know, nowadays, uh, you know, as you've elevated the middle and upper middle classes, uh, there's still such stratification in terms of targeting and who gets the information to make better and fully informed decisions, because that's part of, I think, uh, what a, a Nuremberg trial, at least partly, was all about, uh, fully informed consent. Right, exactly. Actually, Robert, let me take that back. It said it started in 1932, but it concluded in 1972. So I didn't realize it was a 40-year experiment. Okay. Yeah, wow. so through the whole whole central time of the 20th century, this was a big part of it. Wow. Pretty darn incredible. Yeah, no, and look, if if it were up to me, I would completely defund the Centers for Disease Control, except for the toxicology division. And yep. uh, the FDA, pretty much, if, if you want to determine whether something's safe, I get that. But don't tell me what's efficacious, because you don't know, and it's become so gummed up based on economic imperatives that they don't care what works or doesn't work. They just want to maintain a monopoly stranglehold on the marketplace for drugs and nothing else. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we know that they only accumulate facts. They don't create science. It's like a pile of bricks instead of uh, building a house. Correct. All right, folks, we got one more segment here as we rock in the house for health and healing all around planet Earth. On the Robert Scott Bell Show Advanced Medicine Edition, remember, you can get the archives the easiest way, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of it. Go to medicalrewind.com. Medicalrewind.com. Remember that as well as robertscatbell.com. We're coming right back after this. The revolution will be broadcast. 
The Robert Scott Bell Show. to go where the truth takes him. Here's Robert. Yes, and enjoy hanging out with my friend, Dr. Rasha Bittar, each and every week going where? To advanced medicine land. And that's wherever he is, wherever we are. And it's a great time. Super D making it sound so good. Ben's on the board. Uh, RobertScatbell.com for all the links in the show notes. I don't know if this story made it into the show notes, but you know, we, we talk, and you've heard a lot, Dr. Batar, even though you don't follow the news except when you show up on the show, which is great, actually, for your health. You know that. And, when I, when uh, I show up, right? When you show That's right. When you show up on time. Of course, once a year when the uh, clocks change or twice, we can give you a little, cut you a little slack. But the idea of fake news, obviously, over the last number of months has become hu- huge. It's, it's become huge. And so I'm reading a headline this morning, and oftentimes I will send uh, stories that I come across to Super Don, even though he scoured like a million stories, I might have seen 10, right? So it's no contest where he's at. And I saw this one story about, it said, reality TV star something Bosworth, uh, depression linked to vitamins. I'm like, okay, that's an interesting story to me. How is this person's... Depression linked to vitamins. Because the headline indicated to me that, oh my gosh, she took vitamins, she got depressed. That's what, it, that's what the headline read. And so I go read her story. And it turns out she went through all kinds of medical treatments. Nothing worked, nothing worked, nothing worked. Until finally a doctor said, hey, let's, let's test your, your vitamin levels. And she was so deficient in B vitamins and vitamin D that she was depressed because of a vitamin deficiency. But the headline didn't say that. Which, which, before we even get into the, the the integrity and the lack of integrity in the way they reported it, that's just that one thing, the B vitamins and basic minerals and uh, D, vitamin D, deficiency causing depression. I bet you that more than 50%, more than half the cases of clinical depression that are being treated with antidepressants and anti-anxiolytics would be negated Mm-hmm. Were it for that they were provided the right nutrients and the right balance. In fact, our multivitamin uh, is the most studied multivitamin formula in the history of nutrition. 22 different peer-reviewed studies have been done on this particular complex, and it was actually created specifically to help uh, balance the neurotransmitters and has been shown in numerous cases where people that were either depressed, suicidal, bipolar, schizophrenic, whatever, where there was an improvement mm-hmm. in their symptomology by being on this particular formula. In fact, I took our staff and put them on our basic, it's called M1, uh, our version of it's called M1, and we had them on it for two months and then took a poll among our employees to see what their emo- how they felt overall. And yeah. more than half of them didn't really feel any different, but about 40% of my staff actually felt happier, less depressed, more energized, yeah. more uh, optimistic. Makes so all the sense in the world to me. Impact. See, Super Don, the fake news is real. Just in case Super Don thought I was making that up. Oh, I didn't uh, think it, you were making it up. I just, you know, I'm, I'm looking around at the news. Crap. You know, yeah. and then here's this thing. Reality star Lo Bosworth, I'm like, who is Low Bosworth, and why are you watching reality TV? <laughs> I wasn't. I 
was not why it was like a headline. I just had That's visions a, yeah. of you like sitting was, on the couch in curlers, eating bonbons, watching the Housewives of uh, New York or something. No, 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 no. Let's, no. Let's, do it now. let's get this straight. Listen, 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 listen. Let's get this straight. Everything that you said with curlers in his air, eating bonbons <laughs> may have been true, but he was yes. looking at the medical review channel and happened to come across that study. Oh, there, that's what it was. Okay. Thank you. I can Thank believe you. that. I, don't, I can believe my that. My hair's not long enough for curlers. I don't even know what bonbons are, but they're probably good. I don't know. <laughs> but the, it's called the Laguna Beach and the Hills alum. So there's obviously a, 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 an all, a what do you call reality TV show about that? And I don't know Bosworth. The name Bosworth reminds me of Brian Bosworth, who was a football yeah. player. And maybe that's the daughter of the football player, movie star Brian Bosworth, action star. But again, what intrigued me was that they said that her depression was linked to vitamins. But the way they wrote it, man, it was like clear they wanted you to have the impression. Don't even read the article, but man, vitamins will depress you. Well, that's exactly what they do. They do this all the time. You read something and it says one thing. It's an it's an angle to get people to read. In fact, I've seen this in marketing things where you you know that something is good and, and you know it's positive, and then you see this ad, uh, like in Google AdWords, and it's something totally negative. And, yeah. and then you read the article, and it's the opposite. They're just doing it to create attention. Just bad news. Not them. here. We, we don't crave attention. We crave healing. Eh, if you give us a little love, that's okay, too. Dr. Rasha Bittar here with us, Advanced Medicine. We're out of time. But, man, what a great show, as always. Remember, go to MedicalRewind.com for our special Advanced Medicine archives. And, of course, Robert Scott Bell and our syndicator, GCN Live and UK Health Radio as well. Dr. Matar, real quick, tell them what they need to know. The power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show.